Welcome to the Get Down with Hurley Brown. This is a weekly series that showcases the world of sports with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. From the recruiters and players to the teams and coaches, we've got it all covered. Now, here's your host, Coach Hurley Brown. Voice America family, how's it going? It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Uh, today, once again, I'm your host, Kelvin Harris, normally your co-host. But once again, I've stepped into the Nick Foles role, and I will be leading us to the Super Bowl. I hope everything went well for you over this Labor Day holiday. I uh, hope you uh, got a nice, relaxing uh, day off, ate some good food, spent some time with some good family. Now, one of the more important things of this weekend was that college football started again. Yeah. Yeah, we're back into the swing of things. Um, I'm going to have a counterpart of mine by the name of Terrence Brown, a former Oklahoma University football player. He's going to be joining us today, and he's going to be talking with me about college football, uh, what he saw this weekend. And I know one of the things he'll probably want to um, talk to me about is Sunday night. And the my alma mater had a rough go of it, but it's a long season, folks. So we're going to make a comeback. We'll be in the hunt. We'll be in the swing of things. We just need to make a few uh, corrections, and uh, we'll get it back going. Now, overall, the week started on a Thursday with games. Just actually, college football came back last weekend with uh, what they call week zero games. As a matter of fact, one of the more interesting games of that week was Prairie View A&M almost knocked off Rice. Took a last-second field goal, but Rice kept their pride and their dignity, and they beat Prairie View. And then this week, Prairie View was playing in the MEAC SWAC Challenge, and they, uh, they looked pretty impressive. So... They've started off on a good note. Another team, a historically black school that I want to make note of is North Carolina A&T. They played last week also in week zero, and they put a foot in Jacksonville State's butt, one of the more perennial powers of Division One AA. Um, then they came back this week, and this will probably get Scotty Montgomery fired at East Carolina. They beat East Carolina, and it wasn't close. So they're 2-0. And, you know, it's a shame that they won't go and get a shot at winning the playoffs because usually the winner of the MEAC and the winner of the SWAC conference play in a celebration bowl um, 10, 10 days before Christmas. So they never get a chance to go to the 1AA playoffs or what they call it now, the FCS playoffs, and um, see how they fare. But North Carolina A&T went 12-0 last year, so – they got a really good program. Um, also, we're going to delve into NFL football. We'll talk about the cuts and um, now that the rosters have shaped up. Also talk about Aaron Donald's new deal, which was hot for a New York minute before Khalil Mack came along and supplanted it as the highest grossing deal for a defensive uh, player ever. And at the end of the show, I want to touch base on the 
Nike ad with Colin Kaepernick. So, you know, we'll close out talking about that. But let's start off um, when Terrence calls in, we'll add him to the uh, conversation. I want to start out with uh, my thoughts from week one. Well, Nick Saban did what everybody thought he was going to do, and he made Tua Tagovailoa, well, Tua, the starting quarterback over Jalen Hurts. And by the way that offense looked, I think it was the right decision. Um, a lot of people, you know, you know, this 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 controversy was split down the middle outside of the Alabama locker room. Because I think inside of the Alabama program, everybody's on the same page. Now, some people are saying that Nick should show loyalty to the young man because he led him to a 26-2 record over the last two years and to two national championship games, and he helped them win one. thing about it is, is that I'm noticing from my school with our quarterback situation that, you know, the fans, you fans, Talk out of both sides of your neck because, you know, one hand you want loyalty and, you know, you know, don't, don't go for the flash in the pan. But in the other hand, on the other hand, you're talking about we need to score points so we need to be more efficient. Why don't you replace the guy? If he's doing bad, you want him replaced. You know, there's a sentimental value, I think, to what Jalen Hurts has brought to that program. But the reality is, Jalen Hurts is a terrific game manager. The last two years, Alabama's defense has been off the chain. So that allows you to play, you know, possession football. Don't turn the ball over and, um, you know, win low-scoring games with defense field position. The problem they have now is that they don't have a dominating defense. So you can't play field position football and win low-scoring games, knock-down, drag-out, you know, slobber-knocker games. Now, looking at the personnel, you have a group of receivers who are young, speedy, athletic, and you have a quarterback who could possibly one day be the first pick in the draft. And your defense is young and has some holes in it. So the obvious solution here is to speed up the pace and score more points because you've got to make up for the deficiencies that your defense is now showing. You know, it's your bell cow. It's the foundation of your program. But the situation is this. You don't have the same defense that you had these last two to five years. You, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, I'm not saying that the talent isn't there. It's just that it's young and unproven. And the one thing that you do have is you have young receivers, but they, in a sense, are proven because they played a lot for you last year and they performed. So you got to rely on your strengths, and that's what good coaches do. You have a base, you have a foundation, but you're able to move the arrow and, and make some adjustments. And Alabama looked really good against Louisville. Uh, Auburn Washington, I think, was a statement game, one of the statement games of the weekend. Uh, Washington was basically, they were basically representing the entire West Coast. 
and they did not represent badly. I do believe Auburn should have won the game by a larger margin because they shot themselves in the foot quite a bit in the first half. But it wasn't like, oh, Washington shouldn't have been on the field with them. It was, these two programs were very comparable. Um, you know, you look at the West Coast and you always think finesse. But Washington, and then the thing that was interesting is that Washington was missing um, Trey Adams, their All-American offensive left tackle. But you couldn't tell because the offense really didn't miss a beat as far as, like, you know, protection, execution. Auburn had a really good defensive line, and they played a great game. Now, what does this mean for Washington? They got to win out. They can still be in the playoffs, but they got to win out. That means win the rest of their games and win the Pac-12 championship. Auburn. Auburn's got a little cushion now. They can lose a game. Because they probably are going to lose a game. You got to play Georgia, LSU, Mississippi State, Mississippi, Alabama, Texas A&M. That's a murderer's role. The chances of them going through that schedule unscathed are very slim. I mean, they've got some hiccups there that could could derail an undefeated season. But they've got some cushion because they beat a highly talented Washington team. Now, on the flip side, my alma mater, Miami, was in the other, I think, statement game of the weekend, Sunday night, against Louisiana State. And we didn't, we didn't fare well. We lost 33-17. We looked, we looked somewhat unprepared. I guess that's the word I'm looking for. We, um... We were down 27-30-3 at one point. Um, our quarterback looked very, 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 very pedestrian. Actually, to be honest with you, pedestrian is a compliment for the way he played Sunday night. He looked confused. He was very inaccurate. He just he missed a lot of uh, easy calls and checks and, you know, put us in a bad situation. Defensively, though, I was more worried about the defensive end of the game because we gave up 26 points to them on defense. Uh, seven other points came off of a tipped pass that turned into an interception. Still, though, 26 points by a defense that's returning, what, eight starters? Would have been nine if Malik Young hadn't uh, been ruled uh, ineligible to ever – or. Uh, Un- unlikely to ever play again because of a neck injury. Still, though, defensively, you got to be the stalwart of the of the team. That's been the the mantra of the University of Miami. Um, LSU was in a lot of disarray coming into this game, and I think they did a lot. They went a long way into saving, and it's crazy. I'm saying this beginning of the season, saving. Coach Ed Ogeron's job because there are some ramblings out there that if this doesn't go well early, they may try and replace him. And the guy they replace him with is Dave Aranda, who they're paying $2.5 million a year for 10, uh, for four years, excuse me, to be the defensive coordinator. That's, he's probably making more than pretty much all of the coaches in the MAC. So, and if I'm not mistaken, probably more than the coaches in the, all-American Conference and Conference USA. So he's already making 
um, the group of five school head coach money. So basically, the next step for him is a power five job. And I think if LSU comes out this season 8-4, 9-3, and he won't be the defensive coordinator next year because he'll have a head coaching job. Ohio State, okay. Ohio State made a statement. Uh, 77 points. It was a little overkill as far as I'm concerned. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about Ohio State and the Big Ten and how they fared. I'm going to get down with Hurley Brown. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Now is the time for a road trip for an outdoor-centered summer vacation to chase the fishing bite. So this week, The Revolution with Jim and Trav, we're talking summer angling adventures. Joining us will be Dave Mercer, host of Dave Mercer's Facts of Fishing, plus J.P. DeRose from Breaking Boundaries, and Cat Daddy. Jim and Trav's Summer Angling Adventures is presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now. Just like the game itself, you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Get Down with Hurley Brown. To reach our show today, call in to 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to thegetdownwithhurleybrown at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Boys America family, what's going on? To Get Down with Hurley Brown, I'm your host, Kelvin Harris, for today. Playing the role of Nick Foles, trying to take this show all the way to the Super Bowl. Now, we were talking about the uh, the debut week of the 2018 college football season, and I was getting to Ohio State. Um, I guess they came out and they tried to show everything was all right. 77 points. A little overkill as far as I, you know, I was, you know, my, I'm concerned. They did have a long rain delay. They got all their players in. I will say this. They look like a well-oiled machine. Dwayne Haskins has got a lot of talent. Weber and uh, the other running back, uh, J.K. Ooh, don't get me the, don't get me the line. Uh, the, the sophomore running back. They both look good. 
Receivers look good. Joey Bowser looked good. <laughs> I mean, they look good. Ohio State's going to be a contender. Um, Wisconsin, Cupcake, Open and Easy. Penn State. Appalachian State almost snagged another one out of the Big Ten. They beat Appalachian State 45-38 in overtime. That is shameful. Now, I'm not going to look too much into that as far as Penn State goes because it's the first week of the season. And, you know, when you play those games the first week, it's a lot of times it can be a trap if you're playing certain opponents because they've had all summer to change everything up, to disguise stuff. So you don't have any tendency to go off of other than what you saw last year. And a lot of teams change things up. Case in point with um, my school, Miami. The LSU defensive coordinator, Dave Aranza, is known for his blitzes. And he does it out of a base 3-4 defense. Well, against us, he came out in a hybrid, what they call 3-3 stack. We had three down linemen, three linebackers, five DBs. It looks like a 4-2. He did a lot of blitzing, a lot of exotic blitzes that didn't show up on film from film study of the year before. And it caught us off guard at times. And, you know, when you play a team like Appalachian State, that can happen with them. I'm going to give, I'm going to give benefit of doubt to Penn State, but that does raise somewhat of a red flag when you give up 38 points to Appalachian State. Oklahoma, 63 points against Florida Atlantic. Kyler Murray looked like he was playing on a video game. I think the decision to come back after being drafted by the athletics in baseball, the number nine pick, is simply because the kid loves the game. He hasn't got a chance to play a lot at either school, at A&M or Oklahoma. And I think this is his chance to ride off into the sunset as far as his football career goes because now he'll go and he will um, make a lot of money as a baseball player. I see him being an impact player and making it to the major leagues at an early age, um, you know, maybe a couple of years. But before he does that, I think he gives Oklahoma the inside shot to win the Big 12. On the other end of the spectrum, well, wait, wait a minute, let me slow down. Let me get the other team that everyone's talking about in the Big 12, West Virginia. Will Greer looked great. I had two or three of my friends, we were talking, and we all said the same thing. The guy can spin the ball. He made some beautiful throws. They got a lot of skill position talent. But for them, it's going to come down to defense. And are they going to pee on their legs at some point during this season? Now, on the flip side between Oklahoma and West, and West Virginia is the opposite situation going on at Texas. They lost to Maryland last year. Then they come back this year after Maryland has been in turmoil as a program all, all camp. And I've got to give a quick shout out to Jay Sean Jones, Fort Myers, Florida's finest. He was the news press football, offensive football player of the year last year at South Fort Myers High School. And he showed why. In this game, he scored a touchdown receiving, a touchdown rushing, and he threw for a touchdown. So he is going to be a force to be reckoned with for Maryland 
and he got some other young talent on offense. So I expect them to recover from the death of their football player. As a matter of fact, they did a great job of um, paying tribute to him by coming out with his jersey and then putting 10 men on the field on the first play of the game, taking a penalty. Now, to Texas's credit and Coach Tom Herman, they declined the penalty. It was a great show of class. So, Maryland surprised a lot of people, especially Texas. So what does this say about Texas? Where are they going? What's their problem? Uh, this is supposed to be the guy that's going to come in and turn them into a contender. Um, I'll put them right up there with a team I skipped in the Big Ten for a reason because they played Notre Dame, and I wanted to talk about Notre Dame and the expectations for Notre Dame. They got nine or ten guys back on defense, and um, everyone is proclaiming that they're going to be in this title hunt. Of course, I think a lot of that is biased because everybody wants Notre Dame to be in the title hunt for selfish reasons. Now, they played in what I call the overrated bowl because both them and Michigan, in my opinion, are overrated. And Jim Harbaugh has proven me right by the way they finished these last couple of seasons since he's been there. They got dominated. Not, it wasn't a, a total domination, but it was clear that Notre Dame on this particular night was the better team. And I don't know what that says about um, Jim Harbaugh or his players or what it says about Brian Kelly, but to me, it, the way they played, it seemed like Notre Dame wanted this game more. I mean, because both coaches are sort of on the hot seat. Well, I'm going to take that back. Brian Kelly is close to being on the hot seat. Jim Harbaugh, all he has to do, in my opinion, is go 10-2 and two and make – if he goes 10-2, 11-1 and one, and makes the Big Ten championship game, you don't have to win it, but if he makes it, uh, he's put himself in a great situation. He'll probably get an extension because they're just not used – they're just not used to success at Michigan right now. So his expectations, I think, are a little lower than Brian Kelly's. Brian Kelly, he got to go at least nine and three. Eight and four might get him fired because um, a lot of people are expecting more from them as well. So you got a situation where you got two coaches who – have a lot of expectations, and, you know, it was kind of played tight early, but Notre Dame, I'm not going to say they showed they were a better team. They showed that they were more prepared for the opening of the season in this game. So what do you do if you're Michigan? Well, you got to do what my school has to do and what Texas has to do. Oh, and wait a minute. Before we get into what Michigan has to do, let's talk about how the week, the, the long weekend ended last night. Willie Taggart had his debut at Joe Campbell Stadium as the head coach of the Florida State Seminoles, his dream job. A guy, this is his third head coaching position in three years. He went from South Florida to Oregon, now to FSU. He brought back Mickey Andrews as a consultant to the defense. 
they tried to make the defense a little bit more streamlined and more aggressive, less thinking. The offense is sped up. It's faster. Well, they got three points out of that newfound offense. They gave up 24 points. And as of right now, a lot of the people in Seminole Nation are upset. Um, I haven't seen any outlandish stuff on the message boards and, and in, in the social media rooms. But the first month of this season is real key for him. I got to look at their schedule. If um, they finish the month two and two, God forbid, one and three, it could be interesting. I mean, he's not going to get fired his first year, but his life will become a lot more difficult if they don't write this ship. Same thing with Tom Herman. Tom Herman has sort of been crowned as the fixer for the Texas program. You know, a lot of people said that Mac Brown had lost it, and they forced him out, and then they brought in uh, Willie, excuse me, uh, Charlie Strong, and a lot of people were not on board with the hire. And he got a lot of resistance. One of the things he got a lot of resistance about was he wanted to bring in a lot more Florida kids because that's that's, that's his foundation, you know, being at Louisville. Um, they weren't having it. They uh, they rebuffed him in a lot of cases. They gave him limits on how many Florida kids he could bring in. And the high school coaches association for Texas didn't warm up to him either. There's a lot of politics that go on at UT and A&M when you're the coach. So um, they bring in Tom Herman, who's supposed to be Mr. Texas. I mean, he did a good job at Houston, made them relevant, had great you know recruiting. So now he's at Texas, and what? They lose their first game last year. And I believe they went eight and four. He got a pass last year. Past days are over. He has to perform, or they're going to turn on him as quickly as they turned on Charlie. Um, the school that I left out from the SEC, A&M, they looked impressive, but they were playing, uh, what, IMG Academy. I mean, they probably would have got a better game out of them than the opponent they played the other night. Um, Jimbo Fisher is going to change that culture. Now, do I think he's going to win multiple uh, Western Division championships in the SEC? Nope. He would be happy to make as many SEC title games as Missouri has made in their time in the SEC. That would be two. I just, every year... He's got a three or four headed monster to fight in that division. Alabama, Auburn, LSU, and in a lot of cases, Mississippi State. That's a tough nut to crack. That's a large hill to climb. I, um, I think he'll get to the, get the program to where they're pretty much a consistent nine and three program every year. Maybe one year they give you 10 and two, possibly 11 and one. But in that division, as long as Nick Saban is there, as long as Gus Malzahn is there, and God forbid Ed Ogeron figures it out at LSU, that's three losses every year. So now you're fighting uh, Joe Moorhead and Matt Luke at Memphis and or excuse me, Mississippi and Mississippi State. And 
I think maybe the one team that they'll probably have a lot of success with against rather is um, Arkansas. Uh, John Chavis was the defensive coordinator at A&M, so some of the people that are still around the program, they they have a good idea of how to beat his teams, his teams defensively. And I just, I'm not sold on Chad Morris. So every year you're looking at maybe going one and six in your division, two and four. That's a tough nut to crack. But I think he can get the nine and three, ten and two on a consistent basis. Time to take a break, people. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I'm going to talk Pac-12 football, Power Five, or excuse me, Group of Five, and um, you know, also a little HBCU. So we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back on the Get Down with Harley Brown. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Are you ready for the latest sports news, the culture around the game and unique insight? Then you need to make Kareem and the Coach your destination each week. Host Kareem Rush played for the LA Lakers and has the inside track to personas in both professional and college sports. Co-host Eric Newman is a former basketball coach and now a producer and filmmaker. Together they cover sports and entertainment in a fast-paced hour every Friday at 5pm Eastern Time and 2pm Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Get Down with Hurley Brown. To reach our show today, call in to 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to the Get Down with at Now back to the show. Voice of America family, what's going on? It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown, and we're back. I'm hosting today. I'm Kelvin Harris, the Nick Foles of radio, taking us to the Super Bowl. Now, looking at the Pac-12, everybody in the Pac-12 is crying in their beer right now because Washington let them down. Washington represented respectively, respectfully, excuse me, but, I mean, if you look at the, the, the situation, they were asked to travel all the way cross country 
play a 3.30 time game, which is 12.30 their time. Um, I know those kids, some of those kids had issues with the time change. So um, I commend them for their performance, and I think they're just going to get stronger. Now, they still got to deal with Stanford. They still got to deal with USC. The rest of the Pac-12, now, I expect Oregon to be better than they were last year. And a lot of people have hope that Chip Kelly can turn UCLA around. I just don't think, I think he can make them respectable, but it won't be this year. I think they're going to be up and down, learning his system. Wilton Spate with his quarterback, he gets hurt. So I don't know how that's going to affect what they do. Um, I'm rooting for Herman Edwards at Arizona State. I'm rooting for Kevin Sumlin at Arizona, not as much, but I am rooting for him. Um, Washington State, I think they'll be down this year. They lost a record-setting quarterback and some good skilled people and actually some pretty good linemen. So looking at it, I just think it's a three-team race, Um, Washington, Stanford, USC. But I don't think anybody from the Pac-12 makes the playoffs. Um, I just don't think they got enough – they're not going to have enough cash there at the end of the year. So, looking at the non-Power 5 schools, the group of five, once again, UCF is um, the, the top program, I guess you say. Josh Heifel, now believe it or not, Scott Frost had a very high-potent offense. But Josh Heifel comes in with an offense that's even more up-tempo than what uh, Scott Frost was running. And the key that I think could make them, I don't say better because I don't know if the record will be better, but I think it will be better as a team. They got Randy Shannon as a defensive coordinator, so he brings a defensive expertise that they didn't have before. And no disrespect to the guy that was a defensive coordinator before because their 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 whole coaching staff was excellent. The whole coaching staff landed at Nebraska with Frost. But, you know, full disclosure, Randy Shannon was a teammate of mine and Hurley's at the University of Miami. We saw him up close and personal on an everyday basis for two years. The smartest defensive player I have ever been around at any level. Now, when I talk about Hey Puffy. What's going on, big fella? Hey man. We talking college. Born to college. I appreciate you. You're holding the fort down for you, boy. I'm out here pushing this old fort. I got an old six F two fifty, Kelvin, and we out here on this grind. Hey man, I am the Nick Foles trying to take us to the Super Bowl. Man, hey, let's bring it home, baby. Bring it home. Hey, I missed the first part Listen. of the show, man. And I, I know that you talked about our illustrious hurricane. Well, I brought up the fact that I was talking about the programs that got to do some, 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 um, some soul searching. Us, Florida State, Texas, Michigan, um, and then I went by you know each conference, the power, you know, the power five schools, conferences to see which one was the contenders this year. And look, let's just be honest: Alabama, Auburn, in the SEC. 
Georgia, uh, Clemson, and if we can right the ship, possibly us in the ACC. And then when you go to the, the, the Big Ten, you're talking Ohio State, who looked outstanding. Michigan, maybe. Wisconsin, definitely. I got questions now about Penn State. And then a lot of people like Michigan State, I'm not sold. And then maybe Oklahoma in the Big 12, or the, excuse me, the, the, what is it? Is it the, yeah, the, the Big 12? Yeah, yeah, Big 12. And yeah. I, I'm not giving anybody a chance out west. I mean, no, but hey, so let's Auburn, just go back here for a second, because I mean, hey, I mean, we're, we're both Miami Hurricanes, and now going into the game, Kelvin, and you and I both, we, we talked about it. Well, we yeah. really convinced that Miami would beat LSU. Well, Curly, I'm glad you brought that up because on the podcast that myself and uh, one of our former teammates, Ryan McNeil, do, uh, the U podcast, I predicted 38-13 Miami. And the reason why I did that is because, Hurley, I mean, I followed, I, I, you know, because of the podcast, I have been following each one of our opponents through the newspapers and, you know, the, the beat writers on the social media sites. And then, you know, of course, LSU had a lot of stuff happen that was in the national news. You know, you had one guy get arrested for burglary. You had another guy um, armed robbery. <laughs> and one guy with domestic violence. Uh, two quarterbacks transfer. They were in a lot of disarray. And then when you look at what they had coming back, it said it on paper we should win by at least 14 points. Now, the one problem we have is, a, is at the quarterback position, and it's reared its ugly head. I mean, yeah, but Kevin, I mean, everybody, think? all these publications and all these Facebook blogs and all that other stuff want to put everything on, on Malik Rozier. Malik is, not, Malik is not the only player on the football field. There are a lot of plays that were left out there on the football field. Now, what we're not doing, and again, hey, we both wanted the University of Miami to win. We, we all did. Especially Hurricane yes, Sanders. You know, hey, Mark Richter's done a hell of a job down there. You know, but at the end of the day, man, that's still LSU. If it's not for Alabama, LSU would have an opportunity to win the SEC West ah, every other year. I mean, we're still talking Miami is still not quite there yet. Not quite there yet. Ah, still a couple of years away. But my question to you now is, do we win the Coastal after watching what Virginia Tech did to Florida State with Bud Foster's defense? Um, That's the question. Because I, I, I got a pick to win the Coastal and to go play Clemson in the ACC. Yeah, uh, early, I'm going to be honest again. with you. Early, the, 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 the word of the, of the first week in my book for a lot of teams on both sides is fool's goal. Now, Let's, let's delve into that Florida State-Virginia Tech game. And actually, before we do that, I'm going to go back to what you were talking about with us. We do have some holes that are still glaring. But we are closer than you think. What holes do you have? What holes you got? Look. Other than the fact you played okay. LSU first game of the season. No, 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 That's no. That's no, no. you look, got. Look, look. Uh, honestly... The two things that stood out the other night to me, one was the quarterback play, and two was a lot of the play selection calling early on in the game. Now, me as 
Me, as an offensive player, I have to ask this question because I do, I have had the chance to know a little bit about the offense. Is, was the play calling because of the quarterback or is it just who he is? Now, I'll say this. I don't like to put a loss on one player, whether it's the University of Miami or, you know, the Dallas Cowboys. But, Hurley, we have as much or more talented wide receiver than we had when we were there in 91. Because the, 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 the receiving core we had in 91 was Lamar Thomas, Horace Copeland, Kevin Williams, Daryl Spencer, Chris Jones, Coleman Bell, was probably the most dynamic we've had at the school. And mind you, we had Michael Irvin, Brett Perriman, and Brian Blaze together. This team is seven deep at wideout. Now, we got to get them the ball. And the quarterback and the offensive lineman who did the press conference after the game both admitted that LSU threw some blitzes at them that hadn't been covered. And I was talking with Lamar Thomas during the game and Ryan Collins, and they said, yeah, this is what they're doing. Well, I'd watched a lot of tape of LSU, and I hadn't seen those blitzes in the last three, four games. Okay, so, so Joe, well, let me tape. cut you off. And I don't, I don't mean to be rude. I know it's your show. You're doing your thing. But I'm going to say this. I'm going to go show, back to really? 1989. Huh? No, 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 no. Let's, let's just go back now. Because I, okay. I don't want, I, I don't want to miss the opportunity to express myself in this no, situation, especially on this phone call. So, and those are a lot of those kids I recruited, helped recruit. We recruited those kids. We recruited Malik Rozier. But I will tell you this: I don't care if we've seen a blitz or we have not. As a matter of fact, the attitude that we had when we played. You remember the meeting that we had in 1989 after we lost to BYU. What was that meeting about? The meeting was about accepting the coaching staff for who they are, what they are, but understanding this is our football team. And we said it. Then, Kelvin, our leaders stood up and said, I don't care what they call. Man for man, we will get the job done. It doesn't matter. All right, hurry. We hurry. Hold on. If I remember Hold that Hold on. We, no, 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 no. We got to finish. If I remember correctly, okay. if I remember correctly, one of our leaders stood up and he said, I don't care if it's fourth and 25 and they call quarterback sneak. Man for man, we're going to go get the first down. Lo and behold, playing Notre Dame. It's third and 31. <laughs> 34 yards later, third, we get back up and got our own five-yard line. Third and what? Third and forty-four. Hurley, I, I got him in my ear. We got to go to break. Hold that thought. And when we come back, the get down with Hurley Brown. Hurley's going to finish his thought because I know where he's going with this. So we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? (laughs) 
Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps on and off the field and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Get Down with Hurley Brown. To reach our show today, call in to 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to thegetdownwithhurleybrown at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Voice America Radio, we're back on the Get Down with Hurley Brown. I'm the Nick Foles of the show trying to take us to the Super Bowl. And wait a minute. The coach just put him back in the game. We got Hurley Brown with us. Now, Hurley, finish your thought about University of Miami because I got a little tidbit about what you're saying when you finish. Yeah, well, Kelvin, again, we were there before. I mean, it, it's about the Jimmy's and Joe. It, it ain't about the X's. I about agree. Right, we can sit here and we, we can cut it up however we want. We can put it on the league. We can sit there and talk about, you know, Mark Briggs play call and Thomas Brown. It doesn't. None of that matters. At the end of the day, somebody's got to step up and make the play. And that's the bottom line. Yeah. I mean, and, and LSU made plays when we didn't. And, and that's what happened. Until our kids uh, quite understand. See, everybody, even, even at my tenure at the University of Miami, when I was there under Al Golden, the kids that we recruited, the kids that played for Miami, still don't quite understand what the mystique is really about. And even when they even in I'm the good. movie. You know, and you were you were in that movie, the thirty for thirty. Yeah. Okay, the dirty thirty for thirty. And it was a beautiful movie about the <laughs> University of Miami. But what they didn't what they didn't express to the to the fans, to the people, was how hard our players really worked. That's what people don't understand. Uh-huh. And I don't know if these kids even because even I'm these kids when we were down there, oh y'all did this. Y'all did that. No, man, we worked our butts off. Man, we were taught a work ethic by some of the greatest in the game. Michael Irvin, yeah. Lonzo Highsmith. Come on, man. Mel, until you Mel understand and Brad, that. Melvin Brown. Oh, yeah. Well, really, really, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up because I had, a, I had a, a humbling conversation with a parent of a player on the team, and I know this particular parent is inside the program because he talks to the kids and he's around them. 
And one of the things he brought up to me was, because I kind of was having that speech with him about what, you know, how you're talking about the mystique. And he said, and and then he brought up some interesting, he brought up another program, both other programs in the state of Florida. He says, you know, Dan Muller was a good choice, but Scott Frost probably would have been a better choice because even though Dan Mullen was with the Gators when they won the two championships in, what, eight years ago? He says, that's an eternity to these kids. And he said, take y'all's situation. It's been 16 football seasons since you played for a national title. They have no clue of your mystique. They have no clue of Vince Young and the Texas mystique in Texas. And he said, to be honest with you, a lot of them don't have a mystique when they're going out in the USC and recruit for USC. The Pete Carroll years, it, all of this is basically a microwave society now. And basically, his advice to me was, we should be trying to help these kids make their own way. And I said, we are trying to help them make their own way. But to your point, part of making your own way is watching a lot of film, working on your technique, Lifting the weights when they ask you to. Having the right nutrition. Like, Curly, I would never try and get one of those kids to live the experience of the University of Miami like we did. You, more than anybody, knows that it's not even um, rule-wise possible the way we live. They can't do that. What we try to do is get them, like you said, to understand the expectations. And I have to say, after having this conversation it's kind of saddening to realize that they're just kind of paying us lip service, some of them. They really don't understand what's expected of them. And the no, because just like the conversation that you had with that, that parent, everybody wants to talk about, hey, let's do this, let's recreate this, or let's do our, you know, create our own identity. Why reinvent the wheel? Yeah. And the one thing that you didn't mention, Kevin, was kids need to listen. Sometimes you just got to oh, yeah. listen. Sometimes you got to sit back and listen to these old guys. And again, it goes back to the Jimmys and Joes. And, and I'll, I'll say this, when you're talking about how hard we work, I will never forget. And everybody, and I'm not talking about just working hard on the football field and practices in the weight room and stuff like that. Though. I'm talking about working hard, watching film, watching video, understanding, and establishing a football IQ understanding the, the situations of the game, knowing what, and that's what I'm saying. Well, well, what, even well, that's though, the biggest problem in all of football right now is that none of these kids, not just our kids, but none of these kids, case in point, Hurley, there was a play in our game Sunday night. LSU brought what they call a, well, you, a cat blitz, a corner blitz. Okay, the slot back, Mike Harley, saw it, pointed to it. I don't know what Malik Rozier was looking at, but he missed it. But to compound the problem, instead of Mike Harley sitting down in the empty space, he ran the route that he was supposed to run. Instead of sight adjusting. Are you talking and about the, the, the arrow route out of the backfield? Say it again. Is that the one you're talking about? Are you talking about the arrow route out of the backfield? That wasn't Harley, was it? No, no, no. Harley was in the slot. I got was okay. back in the backfield. Okay. And the back went up and picked up a blitz, but they also blitzed, they also blitzed from the corner over Harley. Instead of stopping in the, in the empty space and putting his hands up and screaming, 
he continues to run the route and doesn't even turn his head to look at the quarterback. Now, right. Malik so let's Walsh go back has got to, to be better. Let's go back to one of the greatest teams. Let's go back to one of the greatest teams, Kelman, to ever play at the University of Miami, the 2000 team. With Sean yeah. Taylor, Ed Reed, all of these guys. Yes. Okay? You know what I'm talking about? So now, yes. let's go back to Reggie Wayne seeing that exact same thing. With Ken Dorsey throwing, pulling the trigger. What do you think Reggie Wayne does? He stops. Reggie Wayne. He stops. Yes, he stops. He stops. He lives. Yes. Wait a minute. And Not only does he back stop, back but he's yelling, he's yelling with his hands up, throw me the ball. Yes. 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 And that's what I'm saying, Joe. It's, it's, sometimes kids just got to listen. You know what I mean? It's not even – we, we deal with the same thing over in the high school, on the high school level. We've been doing it, you know, for a long time. But that game, to me, was a depiction of Jimmy's and Joe's. It wasn't well, about the X's and O's. It wasn't about the scheme. Well, I'm going to say this early. Um the Jimmys and the Joes. Now, I still believe we got to get more depth on the offensive line. The first five are decent. We got to get two deep that can play ten guys. And I think at the linebacker position, we got to be a little tougher at filling holes. Gerald Willis is a grown. Gerald Willis is a grown man. Gerald Willis is a grown man. Gerald Willis. I got one question, though. What was Travis Holmes? Well, DJ Dallas has emerged as our best back. Now, there's nothing, it's not a slight against Travis Homer, but DJ Dallas is now 220 pounds, and he still runs a 4.45. And now you've got to think about this. He has, and I'm not putting him in the same level as this guy, but he has Le'Veon Bell type ability. He can run the ball. He can catch the ball out the backfield. Um, he can pick up the blitz. He is a multi-threat individual. And Homer, uh, well, I, I hope I hope we hope we win the ACC Coastal. This first game of the season, we got a lot of kinks and stuff that we got to get worked out. But I'm still pulling for the Duke. Those are my kids. That's my school. Now, on the other hand. I'm going to say this real quick and then get out of here. Because there's a couple of issues yeah. out there that we need to talk about, and we're going to talk about them next week. The first one is okay. I'm riding to work this morning, and I get a, um, I get a little thing on Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham, on the show, on Le- LeBron James' show, The Shop, yeah, the shop. he was quoted, yeah, The Shop. So o- Odell made the comment that, he feels like, sometimes he feels like he's a zoo animal. Kelvin, yeah, that is a very that. bold and strong statement, but it's something that we're going to have to talk about next week. Now, this other thing yes. is Colin Kaepernick and Nike. Boy, ain't that something? Well, that well you know what? Nike pulled, Nike pulled a, a, a snafu on the NFL because the NFL's contract with them is 10 years, so it's not like they can just get out of it. It's a beautiful move. Well, those are a couple of things. Those are two two topics that I think we definitely need to hit next week. I got to go. 
but it's been great. Thank you for holding it down. Let's take this thing to the Super Bowl. I'm signing off. Kelvin, bring it home, my brother. I'll let you next week. All right, Hurley. Yeah. Wow. That was a pleasant surprise, the Voice of America family. Rod, how much time we got, man? Oh. Okay. Well, Rod has informed me that that's going to be the show for today. Um, next week, we're going to talk about what Hurley was talking about, those issues. But we're also going to spotlight the beginning of the NFL season. And even though the season will have started, uh, I'm going to talk about my predictions to go to the Super Bowl because I believe I said Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. So we're going to see how those teams look after week one. So uh, before I sign off, I also want to let you guys know, all you UM fans, well, like I said before, myself and former uh, teammate of me and Hurley, Ryan McNeil, we do the U podcast twice a week taking you inside the Miami huddle where it's all about the you all the time. Look for it every Friday and every Monday before the game and after the game. And we're going to try to get Hurley on there in the next two weeks because I want, I want Hurley to tell the UM family about his new job as the head coach of the Merritt Island Mustangs. So for that, I'm signing off. Um, check out the, uh, the, you know, the, 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 the podcast on Miami dash huddlecast. That's on SoundCloud and also on iTunes. And uh, you can hit me up uh, on Instagram, evlife.net. That's E-B-L-I-F-E-D-O-T-N-E-T and Kelvin Harris on Facebook. So until next week, I always like to sign off with my youth family. It's all about the you, Cage for Life, Nuff Said. See y'all next week. Thanks for tuning in to The Get Down with Hurley Brown. The coach wants you to join us again next week, Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll have another great show ready to roll next week.